you should know enough about your email that you could, like when someone walks into your shop, you make assumptions, right? Man, woman, age, right? Yep. Um, if you're selling clothes, you make some quick assumptions and you kind of direct them. Well, you should be able to get enough data on that email so you could be able to make some of the same assumptions. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, I've got a special treat for you. The uh, guest joining us in studio today is going to share some really great information. If you have a email list, or you have a direct mail list, or you have a telemarketing list, uh, Philip is going to share how you can enhance that data to uh, have a deeper, more engaged relationship and conversation with your clients prospects and subscribers. So uh, Philip comes from a company called Tower Data, a company that I'm quite familiar with. He has been a data industry veteran for years. He is the chief business officer for um, Tower Data, and he's held several high-ranking positions at other well-known players, such as CEO of Rapleaf, a division of LiveRamp, and the president of ConsumerBase, where he ran its um, data division and uh, their digital uh, agency. And he's also worked with SVP PMD, which uh, is newly formed online division of Equifax. But before that, uh, Philip was part of a management team that uh, took Dalian Technologies public. He's, you know, an exceptional, energetic and personal uh, or, or a personable guest. I'm sure you'll hear that as we carry on our conversation. So Philip really helps his clients identify better and more efficient ways to engage their prospects, or in this case, your prospects and my prospects and customers. And he holds a um, uh, BS from the Vanderbilt uh, University. So I am super, super excited today to have this conversation on how we can leverage the knowledge and the technology of and the data from Philips company to further enhance our existing databases to get uh, better engagement, higher conversion. So enough of that. And let's get to the main show and welcome Philip to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast. Well, I'm super excited to have you in the studio today, Philip. So thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure, Doug. So uh, why don't you give our listeners just a little bit of background on kind of the, the you know, who you are and, and what you do uh, with, with Tower Data? Sure. So I'm uh, the chief business officer for Tower Data. It's kind of a made up title, maybe. And it means that I handle sales and marketing and uh, I do a lot of work with our figuring out what our future products should be. Um, I've been in the email marketing space for a little over 20 years. I ran a digital agency. I was part of the early team of RapLeaf and LiveRamp. And so I have a number of experiences, but basically what I focus on is helping our customers do a better job of getting what they need in terms of data to have great engagement 
and uh, interactions with their customers. So as it relates maybe to email, because email seems to be, you know, on this uptick right now, people are realizing that, hey, social is great, but we're not getting conversion or we're getting our accounts suspended or there's restrictions and they're going, hey, email maybe is a good thing. How can you help a marketer who has an email database to get a better ROI from what they've already got? Sure, absolutely. So there's a couple of things. One is you want to make sure that they have clean data. And number two, you want to make sure that they have the information that they need to understand who the, the user is behind that email address so that they can take better action um, and meet that user's needs. So we do email hygiene. So we look at an email address that is collected. We can do it in real time or in batch, and we make certain that that is a good deliverable email. Once that's done, we can also then help a marketer get the data they need. So they could pass us an email address and we could give them demographic information, household information. We could give them behavioral data so that they could really do a better job of understanding the user behind that email. Most of our clients, there's about seven fields that I have been, I've been kind of doing email marketing a long time that I would say are sort of your holy grail of what you should have. Okay. And it's age, gender, location, marital status, presence of children, homeowner status and income. Those are universal, universally useful across channels. Well, and I also know by, you know, having um, worked with one of your partner companies and being very familiar with your site that you also offer things like the value of the home. So now you're getting an idea, like you said, of, you know, are they a homeowner? What's the value of their home? You can add the, add the zip code so we can use it for maybe direct marketing targeting if we're doing a DM as well, uh, using sure. third party data. Well, and even further, so we, we help our clients with identity matching, right? So we can connect identities across various channels. So if, if you are a marketer and you have a list of postal addresses and you want to be able to reach them in email or you want to be able to um, use that email to reach them in social, we can append a permission-based deliverable email to that postal address. If you have an email and you want to reach them in direct mail, we can, we can go the other way around and give them a full postal. When we do that, we can give you first name, last name, full postal, zip plus four. And that zip plus four is super powerful from a, from a modeling perspective. Additionally, we can go from a mobile ID to any of those fields. And then we can also go from a, a website visitor that you don't recognize to any of those identities. So can you give you know give us a little bit of an idea of, of what that looks like? So if I let's say for example I've got a I've got a list and I've got first name and and maybe just an email address and I want to append that additional data, um, just kind of walk us through the process of you know what does that look like and what am I you know what should I expect? I know that it depends <laughs> often on the you know what uh, where you've collected the data, but what should I expect for a match? Yeah, sure. And it will, really depends mostly on the age of the data, right? So if you're sending me over a file that represents emails for, that you've collected over the last 20 years, the, obviously the match rates will suffer a little. But if it's a, if it's a traditional file, um, we would, you can deliver that data in multiple ways. We can upload it to secure FTP. We have an instant data platform where you can actually upload the record on your own into an instant data platform, select the fields you want. Um, you could do it through a real-time API. So as you're collecting emails, you could then add these other fields. And so if you want just an address, we could add to those emails, uh, first name, last name, full address, and uh, zip plus four. You're going to see roughly between a 40 and a 60% match rate on, on those records. 
And in terms of turnaround time, obviously the real time, one at a time, it happens in, you know, in under a second in a file. You know, most of our clients, we can, we can turn around files within minutes to hours. Yep. So it's a very, very rapid opportunity. So while I enjoyed the technical side, I think what we should probably do is I should probably switch off of this because I could have this conversation with you all day long. So I love, I love you know the ability to add data and segment. So can you share uh, with our listeners uh, an example or two of somebody that you've walked through this process and and what it meant to their bottom line and how it improved their ROI? Absolutely. So um, I'll give two examples. One not super when it's going to be a little more tech heavy because it's so interesting and the other that maybe is less tech heavy. Um, so we worked with the genesis for this product was our work we did with a, one of the big daily deal companies and they struggled because they had one offer at first. Basically they were either offering some type of spa service, whether it was a massage, pedicure, manicure, and they were sending that offer no matter what email they collected because they just got email. They knew nothing about it. And we worked with them to just append a couple fields, just a simple test. And that was gender and marital status. So now they knew if you were a male or a female, you were married or single. And they realized their copy was always written to speak to a woman. They didn't write copy for men and they didn't write copy separately, whether you're single or married. And they started to write copy, different copy, and they, they, they were good at writing kind of tongue-in-cheek fun copy. So like when they realized you were a married man, it was, hey, you may or may not want a, a manicure. However, we know someone who you love dearly that might be very interested in, and maybe maybe next time you, you're in the doghouse, you should be ready with this certificate. Oh, and by the way, look at your own nails. She has to also. Yeah, and that's so, cool. The conversion, now, they literally had a 100x improvement on conver conversion of that segment. Now, Okay, let's stop for a sec. So mm -hmm. I just want the listeners to make sure you didn't listen to that. So, so 100 times better conversion. And now, with a caveat that their, their conversion was so bad beforehand that it, you know, some, you know, incremental gain. But still, they turned a, a segment of their list that didn't perform into a segment that could perform without changing anything but the copy. Well, that's amazing because we're taught as marketers and, and the research keeps pushing us to, you know, originally it was, hey, don't do double opt-in because you drop, you know, you lose people. And and now the movement for compliance and all the changes in the industry, everybody's doing double opt-in, but we're still in a lot of cases collecting only a first name and an email. And often the first name that people put in might be a couple letters. So we're still addressing people wrong by not having that accurate data. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then not being able to contextualize the experience they had with your brand. And yeah, the, the funny, I mean, I was thinking as you're saying that, I'm thinking, so, okay, so what would, you know, what's the big deal? And, and when you start saying, yeah, it's a deal, a daily deal, and it's women versus men and married, not married, I'm thinking, well, of course, that makes a ton of sense because the offers are not, not the same. Right. Absolutely. So ideally, they could then also direct the sales team to go out and get offers that meet this segment because now they segmented the list and said, hey, this segment, maybe they're going to convert on something else. And they could say to the, you know, a merchant, we have, you know, X number of men between this age and they weren't able to do that beforehand. So that was the secondary benefit of 
getting the data was then they were able to go out and find offers, right? And then the other thing, obviously, is that that comes that's kind of a win-win-win is now you've got um, better data. So now you've got a more responsive offer and more responsive offer is going to translate into less unsubscribes and more opens and better deliverability. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, that's the entire nation notion of better engagement, right? Yeah, yeah. When you improve your engagement, you also then improve your reputation and it yeah. all falls into place. And, and that's what we're trying to help ultimately help our customers do between a combination of clean data and complete data. And at the end of the day, you have more money, which is a good thing too. Yeah, that is a good thing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Let me let me give you, Doug, the, the, the second example because I want to bring you to more current. So what's happened is that technology keeps getting so much better at managing and taking in data and making use of it, right? So we partner with another company that takes our data and they marry it with purchase data from Magento. So we're talking about a lot of small merchants, right? Yep. Small retailers that need to compete with the big giant retailers. So we, we, what we do is we make them as smart or smarter than Amazon. And they take the purchase information and they marry it with demographic and household data and put it into a predictive engine that then sends out the next offer. And when they have data to marry with a purchase with, with purchase data as opposed to sending up based on the purchase data alone they get a 7 to 10x improvement in the conversion rates so just so i understand um so when you're saying marrying purchase data you're talking about the the retailer so the small you know yep. the small retailer has some purchase data and some basic data Yep. So they actually, it's happening more in real time. So someone just makes yep. a purchase. Yep. They bring they bring the data in from Magento. So they're bringing, this is an email and they just bought, you know, they just bought high heel shoes. Yep. And then what we are able to do is add to that email demographic and household information to contextualize the experience better, right? And now they can put an offer. So they might see that the person just bought these shoes is kind of, on a lower scale in income, might be a bargain hunter, is looking for deals, let's do the right offer. Or it might be high, very high net worth, is looking for high value, long lasting products. And the this engine crunches it, the data fast, and then takes action. Well, I mean, it, it gives you a view into what the potential lifetime value of a customer is, because obviously when a customer, when I walk into a store, so if I'm, especially if I'm traveling, so I'm traveling somewhere in the U.S., I walk into a store and buy something, um, you have no idea, like you said, why I bought it. You just know that this person with this credit card bought X for, not, you know, this much money. Right, right. So and you don't so know whether I have the the ability to to you know if I've gone into John Lobbin in, in New York and I bought a pair of shoes and they're eight hundred dollars. You don't know whether that's my entire shoe budget for the year or I'm likely to buy a pair of those every month. Exactly, exactly. And so from that, I mean, it could it could include sort of frequency models. How often they, should they communicate with you, right? In terms of what kind of offers they should also provide for you. In terms of you know what should go in at the bottom. You know how, what? How they should stack if they do multiple offers? Political campaigns are getting great at this. As an example, I mean, that's what drove you know the um, the way that they raise money. Typically, is they want you to opt in 
to auto donate off of an email. And then there's algorithms that will determine what are the three choices they're going to give you at the bottom. And those algorithms will come from data like ours. Well, and I think the other thing is, I mean, for for some of our listeners, they might be thinking, oh, it's kind of big brotherish. I mean, the, your data is already out there. So we're not, you know, people in your case, you're not taking data that people haven't willingly shared. And you're making the, I think you're making the buyer experience better. I would rather have an offer that suits me than an irrelevant offer. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, if you think about even like your browser experience, right? Yeah. If you clear your cookies, you're going to get the most irrelevant ads that have nothing to do with you. Basically, if I clear my cookies, suddenly I get a lot of dating sites because that's one of the and, and dating <laughs> sites and cell phone offers. I've been yeah. married for 30 years and I got a fantastic phone, so I don't need either of those, right? Yeah, we used to say that we get we get ads for um, email ads anyhow for financing for a household uh, to buy a house and have a house and for Viagra. I'm thinking, I hope, I hope this is not targeted. I hope this is just pure <laughs> random stuff. So that's, that's really interesting. Yep, absolutely. And, and just, just so you know, one of the most important things that we do is we provide for a both safe, secure, and compliant process for allowing our clients to get the data. So Everything in our data falls back to kind of the terms and conditions that of 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 what have been allowed for us to use the data for, and 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 so when we build product, we talk about safe, secure, and compliance always. So how does the predictive engine work? So from um, you know, uh, let's take you know a retailer. So we have a shoe store, and it's um you know it's not a it's not a chain or franchise, and they've got some data in their system. So they probably you know they have um, if they're in store purchases and they're not selling online, they won't have addresses, and so they've got some sort of CRM or some sort of back end system that they're housing this data in. Mm-hmm. So how do they take advantage of, you know, taking this extra data that comes from um, Magenta and through this predictive engine to be able to send an offer out? What does that look like from the store owner's kind of, you know, to-do list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the, this example, the Magento data is the store owner's data. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so what, they're, what, they, what, what typically happens is Magento already has built in what's called APIs. Think of those as just pipes that easily move data, right? Yeah. Yep. And so that data easily moves from Magento to wherever they want it to go, which could be some centralized data management platform. What they then need to do is to fill in the holes so they will hook up to the tower data APIs, right? Okay, so they're yeah. basically going to get a tower data hose sure. that hooks in and they're going to look at what's available and we allow you to enable an API key for whatever field you want. So there's this requirement you got to take all the data. You take what, what, what helps you improve your conversions. Sure, yeah. Right? And then that data comes in to the back into the database and all of it will be stored against a unique ident- identifier so that there's an ID for the user and then their data sits in a field. And then if they're using taking advantage of some sort of engine that crunches data, the engine will then pull the data they need. So I got a couple maybe off top, not topic questions, but maybe it's a different direction. So when you're appending data um, such as phone numbers, are you getting um, landlines, are you getting cell phones, or are you getting both? So we do very little phones. Okay. And I'm probably less than an expert in that. Okay. But traditionally, 
um, the traditional um, providers were delivering landlines. Yep. And they're harder and harder to get and come by and there's less of them. Right. That's what I was thinking. It's a, it's a very, it's a harder, more difficult process than it would be if we were going back, you know, when I was first got into this kind of space almost 20 years ago, new connects and landlines were pretty readily available. Sure. Probably. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, you know, you know, who has a landline anymore? Yeah. Well, and, 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 and people who are getting their first apartments now and their first homes aren't putting in landlines. <laughs> no, that's so, right. So yeah. that's shrinking. And yeah. actually, I mean, still, you know, there's still call centers that have great demand. We don't, we play more in the, with the, in the digital and email marketing folks. We think of us as kind of the MarTech side of the house, yeah. right? Where people are want to message specifically to an individual as opposed to an ad tech where people are messaging to audiences that look similar. Right. So, you know, what you're saying is that once once this is all connected, really, there's no user intervention. I mean, the system runs, you pick you pick the data that you need to have to enhance your um, relationship with your customers and subscribers. And um, while you're sleeping or while you're doing whatever you're doing, it just automatically updates your system for you. From a data perspective, absolutely. Yeah. Automates yeah. Update. Now, there are our clients have a varying degree of sophistication. Right. And so what I want to make sure that your audience understands is that, you know, whether you're Fortune 100 company or you're small, you could still take advantage of all this stuff. It's just how you take action can be a little differently. So, you know, the, the, the holy grail is this notion of personalization, right? Yeah. And so the idea is that every single person will get a tailored email or a tailored experience when they walk into a store or a tailored post card or a tailored experience on your website based on their uniqueness of their data and this engine crunches it and makes these decisions. And to a many marketers, that sounds like remarkably overwhelming and they're probably hyperventilating just as we see. <laughs> yes. Right? Yep. And so what I would say to those marketers is, is be understand the tools you have and understand that personalization is the end game, but it's the journey too. It, you don't start there. So if you're a small shop, start simple, right? Start with learning, finding the three or four fields that you think can make a huge difference for you. And it's okay, segment, just segment. Because when you send everyone the same message, you lose a portion of your audience. And so people say, A, B, test, see what performs best. Yeah. Well, what if your A-B test is 51% to 49%? Are you going to give 49% of the people a bad experience? A-B testing's old and dead. Like, learn how to give everybody a good experience. So you segment. And maybe you got to segment into three segments or four segments or ten segments. But what I would say is use the data, if you're smaller, to initially create a few different segments and then build trigger messages associated with each segment or persona, if you will. And then you can get started you'll work your way towards personalization that way. So it doesn't have to be tech heavy, but it, sure, it certainly is wonderful. The technology is great. So do you guys work with the, the you know, the primary um, CRMs out there? I'm assuming with your API, people can hook yeah, into. Yeah. yeah, we work with a lot of email service providers yep. that house the CRM. And then we're starting to work with what I would say the, the new acronym, which is the CDP, the customer data platforms. Yep. And we are starting to plug in there also. 
So that that way, you know, listeners, if you're using a, a company like a HubSpot or like an Infusionsoft or like a Drip or like a Active Campaign, um, you like you're saying this will just plug in, so you're not going to physically see anything other than this this more you know more information, better data, and the ability to customize, like you said, and build trigger messages to respond to um, respond to people. Absolutely, and that's what's kind of exciting. I, so so ten years ago. Well, 2010, when I launched launched this the, the, the product associated with just giving you the data, clients had this insatiable need for data, but they didn't know how to take action on it. Their ESP couldn't do it. Their, they just didn't have the engine to crunch the data in real time and take action. And now it's it's flipping there there the, the there are so many great tools out there so look closely at your ad stack and look at the capabilities of what you already have most i would say you know one of the things you and i talked about what potentially would be like what are my marketing mistakes one of the biggest marketing mistakes is not using the ad the technology you have in-house <laughs> to its full potential like yeah. Yeah. most of us use like 20 percent of it think of excel right like yeah. what percent of excel do you use yeah. i use like I'm a pretty good, I probably yeah. use 40%. Yeah. Right. Imagine that with all your investments, like get good at them. Yeah. I, you're, you're so right. You're so right. I mean, I work with all these different companies and they have all these tools. So they've got, you know, they've got a CRM and they're using, you know, lead pages, they're using click funnels, they're using whatever at the front end. And the reality is they barely, they're barely using, I, I would say that 10% would be generous and I still get irrelevant offers. So what I thought I would do to give a real life example is I just pulled up on my email box while you're chatting and I got an email from a brand that I purchased from before called Tory Birch. Mm-hmm. It's a brand my wife likes, and yep. I got introduced to Tory Burch through a joint venture with Fitbit. So they made a really nice watch-looking piece of jewelry where she could put her Fitbit piece in, and that way when you go out, you don't have a big Fitbit on your arm. I just received an email from them, and it and it, all it is is a big, huge image that says, Starts Now Private Sale. And I scroll to the bottom, and it talks about free shipping but only valid in the US. Well, clearly I'm in Canada. Right. You already know that because you have my credit card information because I purchased from you before and didn't even make an effort to say, hey, Doug, it's just a, a blatant offer. So um, there's an example of somebody who has more data and they're just, you know, I like the brand. We still buy the brand, but their marketing in terms of personalization, they just, that's a fail. That, that, that would be absolutely. And I mean, and it's amazing because there's so many different places to personalize. I mean, like that simply could be one piece of widget that that their ESP probably already has has already pre-built yep. that allows them to say suppress if outside the U.S. or or change the free shipping, take the free shipping in the U.S. off of this email. Like it's a real simple, simple, <laughs> and their ESP probably does it for them. Yeah, and they they've done it. It's funny. So so I was working with a very large women retailer. And I, I am not allowed to name it because in the contract it says we're not allowed to name them. But the, we sat down and they said to us, only young women buy clothes online. And their definition of young women was different than my de definition of young women, maybe because I'm, I'm 50, 52. Yep. So they're like, women over 35 do not buy online. They only buy in the store. <laughs> and I was like... Wait a second. Where where are you getting this stat? Well, from our experience, we don't we only convert with young women. I said, well, then you have a massive opportunity to get improvement. And they showed me their emails, and basically they sent everybody in their database the exact 
same email. One day it was 30% off, one day it was 40% off, one way it was 50% in store. That was the nature of their thing. They just changed the call to, call to action. They sold kind of what I would say professional to casual clothes. And when I looked at their email, every image was a 17 to 20 year old model who was probably a size zero. <laughs> and, of course, because that's what the world looked like, right? Right. And I said, well, you're converting with people who are the, who look like your model. They're the same age of the models. They relate to your models. They're looking at those images because you have very little text, but they're looking at the image and they're, my hypothesis, they're looking at the image and they're saying, oh, yeah, those clothes work for me. That's the right age. That but looks somebody, like me, yep. Someone who's 40 is like looking at them saying, wow, th those models look like my daughter. Yeah. And they ignored your email. Well, they, they, we appended age to their data. That's it, age. And they put age-appropriate pictures in the campaign and had a significant increase in their over 35 orders, like just from image. Now, it also makes sense because it's, it's getting image right in mobile is very important, right? Yeah. And so, and they convert very well on mobile. So I wasn't surprised, but that supported it was one field they invested in. Well, and I, I've been surprised sometimes when we've been working with somebody, a client, and, and not talking specifically about their email, but just even going to Google Analytics and looking at who their website visitors are and finding that there's this big gap. So, you know, I asked the client, so who's your, who's your customer avatar? Who are the people that you like to work with? Who are the people that are easy to work with? Who are the people that are most profitable? And we go through this list of questions, and then we get into the, some of the demographics. And you pull up Google Analytics, and we're going like, it's like mostly men looking at your site and they're this age they're going no it's like it's that's the fact right right so they're clearly missing even at the website level before you get into email that a lot of that data is available if you'll just dig into your analytics and take a look right there's some fabulous exactly and so you know measuring like a step establishing sort of benchmark kpis yep. will allow you to do that and that's 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 probably one of the most important things a marketer could also do is kind of get just benchmark. Like I heard people say, what should my click rate be? I said, well, what is it? <laughs> and they said, I don't know. I said, great, start measuring it. The first thing you do is get a benchmark yep. and then look to improve. Don't worry about what the average click rate is in the end, you know, for click rates. It doesn't, it's irrelevant. Just yeah. I get that question all the time. So if I run an email campaign, because I, I rent a lot of third-party data from big publishers. So if I run an email campaign, what's my click-through rate going to be? What's the average? It's like, well, the average goes from 2% to my own house list that goes up to 74%. So right. pick something in the middle. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So what's a quick win that somebody could take away? So, you know, for our audience is going, okay, this sounds really cool. I built a database of, I don't know, 15, 20,000, 50,000 names, and I really want to ramp it up and, and juice up my sales this year. So what's the first thing they could do to make, make a major impact? Fill your data holes in. So I would say there's, there's, there's two different directions they could go. They could go cross channel, right? And so if they have an email list, let's get them a postal list because you know, it's fascinating direct mail converts. Yeah, I love direct I love direct mail. Uh, uh, it's funny, I wrote an email book and people go, you do direct mail? I said, absolutely. They said, why? I said, because it works. Right, not only does it work, but it's gotten better. So, you know, we we have an, we, we work with companies like like Lob or, or, or Pebble Post as an example, but Lob is, is a great example that you could, you could send over the data in real time and they could do a more personalized graphic. Yeah. It's tremendous. So 
one, think, look at your opportunities for cross the channel, and two, make sure you have the data you need to better engage with your customer, whether you're small or big. You should know enough about your email that you could, like when someone walks into your shop, you make assumptions, right? Man, woman, age, right? Yep. Um, if you're selling clothes, you make some quick assumptions and you kind of direct them. Well, you should be able to get enough data on that email so you could be able to make some of the same assumptions. So I think that's one quick hit. Do you, do you, any of your listeners have really massive lists? Like, yeah, I, I, I host some data for some of my clients. So uh, we've got lists that are in the half a million names and we've got some that are past the million. Got it. So when I would say the quick win for big, big lists is you probably keep getting better. Your clients keep getting better at email marketing, right? Yeah. They're probably better today than they were a year ago and much I hope better so. than they were two years ago and much <laughs> yeah. better than they were three years ago. Sure. So there's a lot of emails sitting in their unengaged file that had they been better with them, they wouldn't have been unengaged. I would look at that list because it's expensive to, to, to get new ones. Take a look at that list. We have a, a opener flag database, data field that we can append to it and tell you what emails in your unengaged files have been engaging with other people. So we can tell you if this an email opened last month, a month ago, anytime in the last 12 months, it's a quick win. Grab those emails, move them over, and put them in a re-engagement, in a, in a, in a whole re-engagement kind of funnel. Yeah, or send them out a direct mail. I mean, I've I've talked to one of your one of your co-companies because I've got a I've got a client right now that's that's an e-commerce client, and they've because they've got credit card information, they've got their mailing address, and we'll have them. We're going to have you guys append the data, clean the data uh, that they've got for direct mail, and then we're going to do a direct mail sample to like a hundred thousand of their. Um, previous customers through postal. Right. That's yeah, that's a wonderful. Absolutely. That's so you go back, that's my first tip, think yeah. cross channel. Yep. So what are some of the myths about this tactic? So I mean I understand it. I I like it. Um, I encourage it, but there's gonna be people that say, well, what about, you know, fill in the blank. What are some of the myths with the when uh, you talk to people about this type of opportunity? So I think that in 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 some ways from a personalization or engagement, it's almost like they they get some information about people and then they can get, they get creepy fast, right? So it's almost like you're, think of your relationship with your customer, right? You might know, know more, but you wanna be more subtle in how you message to them. You don't wanna be very specific, like, because you're a woman who's 35, 45, you might, right? You gotta be a little <laughs> more subtle. And you're married and you own your home and it's worth this much money. Yeah, yeah, I'd freak them out, yeah. Right. But you got to be subtle, and it's a relationship. It's like every relationship. It's like you know, it's the dance you do when you date. You, there's there's kind of a, a pacing and a, and a right sequence to sort of how you how that engagement comes along. And so you know, don't try to go too far too fast. Yeah. Right. With the date, use it for understanding and just you know, kind of be appropriate with with that use. Well, and you share that with your agency or your your copywriter and share that with your graphic guys. So like you said, you're, you, the, the content that you're producing, even if you don't identify them, call them out by name, hey, you're a married woman, live here. You know, make sure, like you said, the content speaks to that person. Right. And then, and then you know, really, I think the other one is stay true to your, the, your, the, the voice of your brand. Like, and if you don't know what the voice of your brand is, go figure that out. Like, what is your, what is your voice? What is, what do you, what do you aspire? How do you, what does it mean to be kind of brand on? Yeah. So I think those are, those are a couple of quick tips.
So what are you most excited about in the next uh, six to 12 months with the, the, the tools and the, and, and, you know, the platform and how you're helping your clients? You know, I think what I was, I'm most excited about is the fact that the tools just keep getting better. Like, it's super exciting. And so we are working on building more integrations to the partner ecosystem that we have so that our clients can turn the data on without any tech from their, with very limited technology support because the, the integrations will be pre-built. So that's one of the things we're working on this year because these tools can now handle them better. So we, that's, that's like, I think one of the most exciting things that we see. Now, is there a, do you have a, a tool set or do you foresee a tool set in the future where you'll be able to append and add uh, social data to uh, people's database? So I've already, I've done that in my past. Um, <laughs> okay. And we did it when we did in our past, we were T's and C ter terms and condition compliant with the social medias. Yeah. In about 2011, Facebook took the lead of changing its privacy policies and frankly made it very difficult to get access to that data in a privacy compliant way. And many of the other social me social companies took the lead. And fa frankly, if you're not getting the Facebook data, you're, that's, the, that's the biggest bulk of the data out there. Yep. Yep. So I, I don't see that loosening up at all, in fact, I would be surprised. So there's really no great way to go from social handle to, to the data. I was thinking the other way around, adding social handles, because I know, for example, when I open my email, I use a tool so I can see, you know, I saw your LinkedIn profile pops right. up right away. Yeah. And if I go into my CRM, it shows me, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all the different platforms that that email address is on. Then I can verify that and, and manually add that. You would be in violation of their T's and C's if you robotically collected that data. Okay. In mass. And so I don't see that changing, frankly. I think that if anything, I think that the data that sits in a, on one social site like a LinkedIn or a Facebook, they both recognize how valuable that data and they want to keep it to them for themselves <laughs> sure. for their yeah. use in their ecosystem. Yeah. So. I get that. That makes yep. sense. Yep. So two, uh, two questions for you. One, who's one guest I absolutely have to have on my podcast? Okay, so it's interesting. As we were speaking, I thought of a different one that I probably would have considered. So I'm going to give you two very quickly. Okay. Um, the, C, the founder of a company called Springbot, which is the tech company that marries our data with Magento data. Okay. Yep. Uh, their story is interesting. They kind of grew from a small company, slowly raised did rounds, raised money, they've grown, they've had tremendous success. I think that they're very forward thinking. Joe Rieger is a really interesting guy. And then when I was relaunching Rapidly, if I, I was one of the first companies in 1871, which is a hub here in Chicago for entrepreneurs. There were four of us that kind of started at the same time. And a guy named Eric, Eric Severinhas launched a company there. And what's interesting about talking to Eric is the last time we sat down, he had just come back from climbing Everest and was talking about the experience of climbing Everest as it relates to his experience as an entrepreneur. <laughs> and it's a very different conversation, but it was a very, it's a very interesting conversation and he's dynamic and um, he's had a couple exits and he, the company's with now is just acquired by DocuSign. So Oh, wow. Cool. He does something with DocuSign. I don't know what, because it was just acquired. 
Yeah, maybe he's just a sponsored uh, sponsor climber for them. Uh, maybe, yes. <laughs> yes. He sponsored did, athlete. He did at the top of Mount Everest hold the flag of the comp- of his comp- current comp- the company he was working with at the time when he got there. There you go. A tax deductible trip. That's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> no, I don't know. I can't speak to that. I don't want to get in any trouble. No, but, no. Uh, but I think those are two, those would be two very different conversations and both I'm sure equally interesting. Well, excellent. So now where can people find you and connect with uh, Tower? Where's the best place? So one, we have our tower, towerdata.com. And if you go to us today and you go to us in a few weeks, you're going to see a different website. We're about to launch our new website. Um, and you can certainly go there. I can be reached at pdavis at towerdata.com. Certainly you can connect via LinkedIn. And we're happy to help you with anything from uh, whether it's uh, an email validation project, uh, pending more email intelligence, um, helping you with identity matching. So email pens, uh, reverse pens, or any other of your data projects. Yeah, listeners, you know, I've been a big fan of Tower Data for a number of years. I've worked with one of their sister companies uh, over the years as well for uh, making sure the data that we've got for our clients that we're hosting is is clean. Actually, it's a requirement. I won't take on the management of a client's file unless they clean their data because we want to make sure that obviously what we're doing is first compliant and secondly, we get we get good results. So I would encourage you to check out their website. Uh, it be interesting to see what your new website looks like. Your, your existing website's always been easy to navigate. I like your newsletter. So I think you guys have done a great job for communications. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we I, honestly, I, um, uh, we use HubSpot. And uh, years ago, I had a chance to sit down with the founder of HubSpot. And I asked him, how did, tell me about your marketing strategy. And then I told him I was going to rip it off. <laughs> and so we were methodical about how many social posts we do every day, about how many yeah. blog posts every month, what goes in the newsletter. And we basically put a lot of posts out so that we could see what gets response so we could figure out what we should be writing about. Yeah, absolutely. That's brilliant. So thank you. Appreciate it. Well, hey, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking time out of your day and sharing with you. And um, I know I've got some follow-up conversations with you guys with some new projects that are coming up. So listeners, a great opportunity, low-hanging fruit, uh, clean up your data, look at uh, different ways to engage, as Philip said, uh, maybe cross-channel and just change the conversation to suit your subscriber. So thanks again for tuning in. If you like this episode, don't be shy to share it and to leave us a rating on iTunes. I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.